that turned off there. We'll let our children ages three through third grade make their way to junior worship. We have some new folks that are with us. If you have kids in that age range, just kind of follow the parents going in that particular direction. The rest of you take your Bibles and turn this morning to Luke chapter four. Luke chapter four. I see some folks that are back visiting with us. Delighted to have you guys here today. Um, one important aspect of our worship assembly, as you're turning to Luke chapter 4, is our offering. So I want to let you know four ways that you can make your contribution today. You can, um, if you're with us in person, you can drop off your contribution in the box that there, that's there on the table. You can mail a check to the church address, as some do. You can give an automatic draft through your bank. It's quite easy to do, and that helps you if you forget. Boom, it's just always done automatically. Or you can go online, even while I'm preaching. You can get out your phones, and you can go to our website. Website, you can click give and uh, just follow the simple directions that are there. And to those of you that are with us by live stream, we are incredibly honored and delighted to have you with us today. You're just as much a part of this family and it just means so much that you took time to be with us. So we're in Luke chapter 4 and what we're doing in the gospel of Luke, we are, we are following the story of Jesus in the gospel of Luke that we might follow Jesus in our lives. And so Luke has taken us, and it's just as the flow of thought there, in chapters 1, 2, and 3, he's brought us to the story of, of Jesus' birth and in a brief account of, of Jesus' childhood, all for the purpose, because it's a repetitive theme there, to bring us to faith, or for some of us, just a renewed faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. And then once we come to that place in chapter 3, as we saw with the story of John the Baptist, he brings us to a story of repentance, helping us really stop and think, okay, if I really believe in Jesus and I'm going to follow him, what are, the, what are the repentant changes that need to be made in my life? So after that, then last week we continued to follow Jesus after that story as we were following Jesus through the waters of baptism, encouraging those who have never been baptized to be baptized into Christ, giving assurance to those who have been baptized and then thrusting us into ministry. And so we're just going to continue following the story. There's something very interesting that happens to Jesus after he's baptized. Take note of it because it's likely going to happen after your baptism. We now follow Jesus into the desert of all places. But it's not like the great sand dunes of, of Colorado on vacation. Luke calls it there in chapter 4. You're going to notice it's called a wilderness. We are following Jesus into a battle field of temptation. Now, what I want to do before we get into the text is something I don't know if I've ever done with you guys before. I want to read to you a poem. And this poem, it sets the stage. And no, it, it draws a, a, a picture, a parallel picture to what we're going to see in the story of Jesus. My grandmother who lived in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, she loved poetry. She wrote poetry, and she, she uh, um, 
She wrote poetry, she read poetry, and whenever I was there with Granny, as I called her, she would always sit me down and take me through various poems that she had written or, or that existed that, that she loved to read. My two favorite poems, those ones that I said, oh, Granny, tell me that one again, tell me that one again. One of them was The Highwayman, and that's a thriller poem. You've never read The Highwayman, that's kind of a, that's a tough one. But my all-time favorite that Granny used to tell me that I'm going to share with you today is the story of the spider and the fly. I would give anything if she were here today to read it to you. I, I'm going to try to honor her. Her daughter, my Aunt Nancy in Michigan is watching, and so I know this will be special to you, Aunt Nancy. It's an incredible story, but now what you've got to do is what I did when I was a little boy. Let your imagination go with it, all right? See and experience the picture in this story, in this poem, Okay. And I'm not naturally one who reads poems, so cut me some slack here. Will you walk into my parlor, said the spider to the fly. Tis the prettiest little parlor that you ever did spy. The way into my parlor is up a winding stair. And I have many curious things to show you when you are there. Oh, no, 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 said the little fly. To ask me is in vain, for who goes up your winding stair will never come down again. Oh, I'm sure you must be weary, dear, with soaring up so high. Will you rest upon my little bed, said the spider to the fly. There are pretty curtains drawn around. The sheets are fine and thin. And if you like to rest a while, I'll snugly tuck you in. Oh, no, 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 said the little fly. For I've often heard it said, they never, never wake again who sleep upon your bed. Said the cunning spider to the fly, Dear friend, what can I do to prove the warm affection I've always felt for you? I have, I have within my pantry good store of all that's nice. I'm sure you're very welcome. Will you please take a slice? Oh, no, 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 said the little fly. Kind sir, that cannot be. I've heard what's in your pantry, and I do not wish to see. Sweet creature, said the spider, you're witty and you're wise. Oh, how handsome are your gauzy wings. How brilliant are your eyes. I have a little looking glass upon my parlor shelf, and if you'll just step in one moment, dear you shall behold yourself. I thank you, gentle sir. I'll call another day, she said. I thank you, gentle sir, she said, for what you're pleased to say. And bidding you good morning, I'll call another day. The spider turned him round about. He went into his den for he knew the silly fly, for well he knew the silly fly would soon come back again. So he wove a subtle web in a little corner sly and set his table ready to dine upon the fly. 
Then he came out to his door again and merrily did sing, Come hither, hither, pretty fly, with the pearl and silver wing. Your robes are green and purple. There's a crest upon your head. Your eyes are like the diamond bright, but mine are dull as lead. Alas, alas, how very soon this silly little fly, hearing his wily flattering words, came slowly flitting by. With buzzing wings she hung aloft, the near and nearer drew, thinking only of her brilliant eyes and green and purple hue, thinking only of her crested head. Poor foolish thing. At last, up! jumped the cunning spider and fiercely held her fast he dragged her up his winding stair into his dismal den within his little parlor but she ne'er came out again and now dear children who may this story read to idle silly flattering words I pray you ne'er give heed Unto an evil counselor, close heart and ear and eye, and take a lesson from this tale of the spider and the fly. It's a phenomenon of nature, of a, of a, of a cunning spider entrapping a fly into its web through seduction and ma- manipulation. But it portrays and depicts a, great, a reality of greater consequence that we as humans face on a day-to-day basis. And it's one that we see Jesus encountered here in Luke chapter 4. So I'm now going to read you this story in Luke chapter 4 and listen now to the similarities of this poem to Jesus' story. Chapter 4 of Luke in verse 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during these days and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you're the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, No, no, no. It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want. If you will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus said, no, no, no. It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him up to Jerusalem. And had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God. Throw yourself down from here. For it's written. He will command command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands. So that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus again answered. No, no, no. It is said. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until a more opportune time. 
It's not the story of a spider and a fly. But it's a story of a much greater and more cunning foe who was so incredibly daring as to take on the Son of God attempting to to lure him into his destructive trap. I came across this statement a while back and I thought I'd bring it into this sermon. You know, it says that mice die in mousetraps because they don't understand why the cheese is free. The same things happen, the same thing happens with socialism. Sarah, Karen and I serving as missionaries in, in a post-socialistic nation, we, we witness firsthand the destructive trap of socialism. And sadly, many in our, many in our nation seem to be falling into that or being lured into that same destructive trap. We so often hear now of free things that our government offers us. I got in the mail from some company an invitation to come for a free steak dinner. But are these things free? Or are they a trap? As we see with the story in Jesus, we are often presented with free stuff. Seductive offerings that are nothing less than traps attempting to take us captive. And so as Luke's gospel is is pulling us and drawing us in this story to follow Jesus, he stops in the story now in Luke chapter 4 and he shows us that on this path of following Jesus, it's loaded with many dangerous landmines that are well hidden. They're placed there by the enemy. We wake up every morning and we step into a battlefield of temptation. The truth be told, it's not that we step out into it, but it's even within the walls of our homes. And so I am convinced, and I believe this is the function of this passage, I am convinced that we be aware of this battle that we know how to respond and we know what we must do so not to be drawn into the lure of that trap and that is what I believe is the purpose of this passage and this to me is so important that we're going to spend at least three or four lessons in this series that I've entitled the the battlefield of temptations our first two lessons they're basically just going to set the stage for the battle and the second two lessons going to help us see the strategy of the enemy and to learn how to respond. All that we're going to do today is take a look at the enemy. The enemy of temptation. Church, I believe the greatest advantage that the enemy has over us is for us to be unaware of his existence or oblivious to his activity. I believe Luke is wanting us to understand that behind the temptation is a tempter, an evil force that is attempting to influence us. A trap is not just placed randomly, but someone put it there. 
Luke identifies this someone in verse 2 of Luke chapter 4 as the devil. And the, the word that Luke uses in the original language is the word diabolos. And any of you who have ever ordered pizza in Europe recognize that word. There's a famous pizza, I hate to admit it, but it's my favorite. It's diabolos pizza. It's, it's the devil's pizza. And it's known for being incredibly hot and incredibly spicy. This word diabolos means false accuser. A slanderer. That's what the original reader would understand. That, that this enemy, Luke wants us to under, understand by nature, he is a liar. Jesus tells us in John chapter 8, he is the father of all lies. And I think that's really important to understand that temptation, he uses temptation through Deception, subtle deception. Satan is not going to drive up to your house in a bus that's got flames painted all over it and on the front there's a sign that says hell and get out of the bus in a red jumpsuit with horns and a tail and a pitchfork and knock on your door and say, hey, we're going to hell. You want to join us? He comes with deception. Not easily recognized. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 that he masquerades. He wears a costume, all right, but as an angel of light. And he walks into our homes. He walks into our churches as we open the doors. Listen, it's likely that he could be working in your life right now and you don't even realize it and the whole time you're thinking, wow, this is awesome. I mean, who doesn't like cheese? The Greek lexicon also came up with the word, and this is showing you a little bit of my ignorance, that diabolos means the calumniator, the calumniator. And I thought, what in the world is that? So I went to the dictionary to look up calumniator, and it says one who calumniates. <laughs> I thought, all right, well, that makes it really clear. So I had to dig a little bit more. One who calumniates mean, means one who brings on a personal attack upon others. Now, that's, that's really important to understand about the enemy, that he is not just this existent evil force that's sitting around waiting on us to come to him. He's not just this evil existent force waiting for us to have a, a seance, maybe, to call him up. Or maybe waiting for us to, to play with a Ouija board to see if he can give us a message. Or he's not waiting for us to join an after-school Satan club. Did you notice that in the news? That there are those who are actually trying to bring after-school Satan clubs in elementary schools. Now, that's no joke. Satan is not waiting for us to do any of those things. He calumniates. That's our word. What you learn today? He calumniates. He comes to you. And that's what we learn in, 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 in uh, Peter in one of his epistles. He says, the devil is like a roaring lion. He doesn't stay in his den. He's on the prowl. He, you may not be looking for him, but it says, he is looking for you, looking for. Your translations may say, seeking for someone whom he may devour. Now, I don't have time to exhaust 
All of the passages in the Old Testament and the New Testament that describe the devil. It would be a worthy study. I would encourage you to do that on your own. In your life groups, I've actually asked you to unpack that and I've given you a cheat sheet of scriptures that if you can't think of I just want you to talk about what are scriptures that you know of that speak of the devil what do they tell us about him and what does that mean for our lives that's your that's your objective in your life groups what I want to do this morning is this I took a few passages and I say here's a here's a brief summary of our enemy from a few passages that I put together I lost my place here. The Bible tells us that he is a real, existent, spiritual, evil being accompanied by a demonic a force, a demonic army. An army of demonic forces. You stay with us in Luke. In chapter 4, we're going to be introduced to those demonic forces. We're going to see how active they are throughout the gospel of Luke. The devil, Ephesians chapter 2, tells us he is a prince. He is a ruler of the kingdom of the air. It uses the Greek word energeo, from which we get the word energetic. He is energetically and aggressively at work. In this world, in Ephesians chapter 6, there's a word that's used for him, strategia, from which we get the word strategy. He is strategic. He is methodical, Ephesians chapter 6. It tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, listen, he is more powerful than you are in your own strength. And he is intent on destroying you, John chapter 10. He is intent on destroying you, on destroying your marriage, on destroying your family, on destroying your children, on destroying this church, and most of all, on destroying your soul to damn it to hell. That is his objective. And in a very incredibly sobering passage, we read in 1 John chapter 5 that he is so deceptive, he is so good (laughs) At what he does, it says that the whole world is under his control. And the whole world doesn't realize it. The whole world is taken captive, caught in his trap. And while we may be sitting here feeling so incredibly safe within the walls of our church building, with the walls of our faith, even more sobering than that passage in, in 1 John Jesus tells us in John chapter 8 that he has by his deception taken captive those who now follow him as their father. And he's speaking there of Bible-believing, church-going people like you and me. John 8. So in this story in Luke chapter 4, for Jesus in this story to have said, yeah, you know what? I, I, I am kind of hungry. I wouldn't mind having some bread. Or, you're kidding? All of this? I, I, I do kind of like that. Or, you, you, you know what? I think I will go to the top of the temple and jump off the top because, I mean, evidently that's what it says in the Bible. 
You see, Luke wants us to understand here in chapter 4, this is the one thing we want to drive home only today, that behind the temptation is a tempter that for Jesus to have gone along with the temptation, it wouldn't simply have been Jesus giving in to his own cravings, his own interest, and his own desires. It would have been Jesus playing right into the tempter's hands. It would have been Jesus saying to Satan, yes, Satan. You've got to understand that. We say that way too often without saying it. It's incredibly important to understand behind whatever temptation you are facing, there is a tempter. And so what I want to do today is I want to teach you a very useful phrase to combat temptation. And that useful phrase is this phrase, yes, Satan. Next time you're tempted to yell at your spouse. Next time you're tempted to call someone an unkind name. Next time you're tempted to mock and make fun of someone. Next time you're tempted to gossip. Next time you're tempted to use vulgar language or to drink excessively. Next time you're tempted to be dishonest and tell a lie. Next time you're tempted to look at porn. Next time you're 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 preparing to listen to a song or watch a movie that is just so opposed to what God shares with us in Scripture. Next time you're preparing to give yourself sexually to someone to whom you're not married. Next time you're going to give in to an addiction. Next time you're going to resist doing whatever it is that God is calling you to do, just stop before you say it or do it and say these words, yes, Satan. Because perhaps if you say that, it might make you think twice and realize you're walking right into a trap. So let's learn this phrase. Say it with me. Yes, Satan. Yes, Satan. Say it with me. Yes, Satan. What did you learn at church today? Our preacher taught us to say yes to Satan. Say it with me. Yes, Satan. Hey, wait a minute. Some of y'all aren't playing along. Some of you are sitting there going... I ain't saying that. I'm not saying that. I'll not say yes to Satan. Oh, really? Really? Or maybe are you? Not verbally, but maybe by your life and your life choices. So as we continue with this series, we're going to dig further into Luke 4 to discover more about who is this enemy and how he works and what can we do to resist him and not fall into his trap. In the poem of the spider and the fly, it didn't turn out good well for this fly. But we don't have to leave here wondering how it turns out for us. 
God has made it clear in Scripture, church, that the power of Christ in us is greater than whatever forces of hell that come against us. And Ephesians 6 and other passages of Scripture tell us that the way we activate that power, mobilize that power, is through the weapon of prayer. And so as we close and we are going now to enter into our time of prayer, I just want us to really ask ourselves or to think about how are you being attacked? How is your family being attacked? Your marriage, your children, or maybe there's someone you know that's going through spiritual warfare. How are you being lured into his trap or here's the tougher question truth be told are you in that trap even now you can be free you can be free you can resist you can overcome in prayer we fight back in prayer so let's stand and not have a closing prayer but let's stand together and let's fight back in prayer and I'm, I'm going to start us with this prayer and then we're going to continue with our life uh, with our, not our life group our praise team is going to continue this prayer and I want to encourage you if, if you need one of our shepherds to pray with you they'll be kind of moving around reach out to one of them if you know someone here that needs your prayers, your encouragement, go up to them, give them a hug, and pray with them. If you're one of those people, reach out to someone. And as we go into this time of prayer, after the prayer, I want to ask that um, Michael and Michaela and Alexander, I guess he's there somewhere perhaps, I want to ask that one of our shepherds come and pray with them, and I want to ask that your life group join around them and pray over them. And we want to have... Is he, oh, there he is. So, Grandma Cat is holding for the first time precious little Donnie Keith, the mom and dad, Ryan and Patty, and Grandpa Mike is here. Uh, I just need a shepherd close by, and let's gather around them, and let's just go before God in prayer. Father in heaven, we come before you not to have a nice cute, religious, formal prayer, but to fight, to stand firm against the forces of evil and embrace your power that is greater in us than the power that is in this world. And we call upon you, Lord Jesus, to, to help us to be strong against temptation, to help us to resist these evil forces that come against us and to release us from whatever bondage and captivity that we are in in this very moment. God, we come before you as a family in Jesus' name. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the Senior Minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.